Hello and welcome to Flick the Kettle On, a podcast brought to you by rgrain.com.au. Today we have grain and commodity market expert Andrew Kelso joining us to discuss the impacts of China's tariff on Australian barley and recent USDA crop reports. What flow-on effects will be felt by Australian grain growers and how will this impact continue to affect prices domestically? Pour yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Let me hand over to our senior account manager, Michaela McCormack, to ask Andrew a few questions. Joining us today, obviously uh, this is our second um, podcast for iGrain with Flick the Kettle On, um, so thank you again for your time. It's been a big week as far as news goes. Um, China's announced the trade on trade with regard to Australian barley and beef with the proposed import tariffs close to 80% on barley. What are you saying this will mean for both last year's crop and this year's crop? Yes, uh, morning, Michaela. Yes, look, uh, it certainly has been an interesting week when it comes to talking about barley. So I guess the issue had been simmering for some time. There had been an anti-dumping issues surrounding Australian barley for the last uh, number of months anyway. Uh, Having said that, I'm not sure that anyone was expecting uh, the Chinese to come out and, and announce a, an immediate tariff on Australian barley. So I think that caught everyone a little bit surprised, by surprise. So, yeah, look, the, the, the feeling from the market is that the tariff will be introduced. Um, I think there's uh, everyone has until the 19th for a final decision to be made. But you know, certainly the consensus, I think, today is that it probably will happen. Once the Chinese make these decisions, you know, they really don't tend to have a last minute change of heart. So, and, you know, someone mentioned to me yesterday that, you know, maybe coronavirus, um, you know, that might have slowed demand for some products like beer in China. So maybe there isn't the immediate demand for malt. We're not sure. Um, in terms of what it means, for Australian barley growers, well, there's probably not too much they can do from a production point of view this year because I think the majority of farmers have already made their planting decisions this year. So, look, I think the barley will get planted. Um, and so the, I guess the biggest impacts likely and will be on prices. And, in fact, you know, the price movements have been immediate and they've been dramatic. So... We've seen Australian barley prices probably fall 50 or $60 since this time a week ago. So um, because right at this point in time, you know, nobody really knows you know, what the alternatives are for Australian barley. And so the way the market has responded is it's basically taken the view that, well, we have to price Australian barley to you know, the lowest common denominator. And um, so they're prices have been adjusted to reflect export parity uh, and export parity to where they think you know they might be able to sell some barley and today that's into the Middle Eastern markets and particularly Saudi Arabia so so the result is as I say prices certainly new crop fell dramatically Um, it's definitely at export parity it's probably even a little bit below export parity today and old crop prices have had maybe not quite the same uh, significance in their drop, but they've certainly moved materially lower. So uh, Western Australian barley, you know, was has led the charge lower, but everywhere else has followed. And 
you know, probably a week ago, you, you could have sold barley into Melbourne at $300 delivered. Today, you might be lucky to get $240. And, you know, those moves are perhaps not quite as severe in Queensland and New South Wales, where the barley still has to come in from Western Australia or South Australia, but it's also had the same impact in Western Australia and South Australia. So yes. we'll have to just wait and see how things play out over the next few months. But everything else being considered, given the very good start we've had to the growing season here in Australia this year, you know, everyone's expectation is that we'll have a much bigger and larger barley crop year on year. So, you know, then the question people have to ask is, well, what can we do with all of the barley in 2021 and at this point in time it looks as though we'll have more than we need and more than the export market will require so you know right at the moment people are not overly optimistic about what prices uh, might do as we move into the harvest period but the balance of this year well you know barley stocks are reasonably tight in south australia and western australia we know that there's not a lot of barley in Queensland and New South Wales. That's why it's coming from West Australia and South Australia. So it's probably only in Victoria where maybe there is a little bit of surplus barley. And by the time we get to the end of the year, you know, probably old crop barley stocks will be reasonably uh, well down. And I guess if there's one positive, you know, there shouldn't be a lot of old crop barley yet to be priced, I wouldn't have thought. There's always a few growers that still have bits and pieces left, but the majority of growers, I would suspect, have already sold the majority of their barley. So hopefully the majority of them aren't going to be materially impacted from a price point of view on their old crop. Yeah, so I, I, I guess that leads me into one of my questions I had for you today, Andrew. Like we've seen recent reporting from some of the bulk handlers that we haven't seen in in history. Um, so have we seen what the expectations of the Australian carryover stocks will be like going into this harvest? Uh, well, that's that's right. So CBH and um, Viteria have been very, uh, they've made a change and they're now reporting their stocks. So, and they're going to do that each month through to the end of the year. So um, I have got those figures here somewhere, but look, there was only I think just 1.3 million tonnes of barley left in Western Australia at the beginning of May. And I think there was about 700,000 tonnes in South Australia. Uh, in April, um, I think Western Australian shipments were about 600,000 tonnes and a couple of hundred thousand tonnes out of South Australia. So my, based on the shipping stem for May, it looks as though it might be similar sort of volumes go out, maybe not quite as much, but Certainly in West Australia and South Australia, I think we'll be down to bare minimum stocks till the end, uh, by the end of the year. Yeah. Um, we're not quite, we don't have the same visibility in Eastern Australia because Grain Corp's, Grain Corp's not reporting their stocks, but certainly you know, the, the, the feeling at the moment is that we had a big crop in Victoria last year from a barley point of view and you know, we'll have plenty of barley to get us through and you know, based on what the way the markets changed this week, we'll probably see an increase in uh, carryover stocks compared to what we might have thought would have been the case a week ago. So, yeah, for sure. I guess the other thing too, in regard to export parity, talking about barley pricing going forward, there's been a few economic predictions come out with um, talk of recession and the, the impact of COVID nineteen that we'll see the Australian dollar drop 
you know, somewhere around 55 cents or maybe even lower in the next six months. So that's obviously also going to have an impact on our pricing outlook, I would imagine. Um, well, certainly the currency plays a big part and uh, clearly the lower the currency uh, compared to the US dollar, that ultimately means uh, better prices in Australian dollar terms. Um, will the currency get to 55 cents? We did say it touched 55 cents back uh, at the end of March when uh, the impact of the coronavirus was just starting to take hold. Our currency since uh, recovered to about 64 or 65 cents. And I'm not an economist, but you know, everything else been equal. The government is certainly actively, and not only our government here in Australia, but governments all around the world are trying to get their economies starting to turn over again. And they, you know, whether it's in the US, and certainly they're making more noise than anyone else. But I think all countries around the world understand the importance of trying to get their currencies back on track. So, you know, invariably the currency here in Australia will reflect what happens here in terms of our economy recovering, but also whether we start opening global trade again and we start continuing to move um, along that track. So, interestingly, you know, bulk uh, mineral exports don't seem to be uh, impacted by uh, the COVID-19 outbreak. So, iron ore and coal exports are still strong. So, if that continues to be the case, then yeah, you'd probably think that that would be supportive of the currency. So, right at this point in time, I, I'm not sure that we should be expecting the currency to fall back to the levels that we saw a couple of months ago. But you know, maybe in the low to mid 60s is probably um, offering reasonable value. And you know, again, it's all going to be predicated on you know, what happens with our economic performance over the next few months. So, yeah. you know, certainly, as we get to the end of the year, we'll hopefully have a much clearer picture as to where our economy sits relative to others in the world. So that's Excellent. six months away and you know, everyone's hoping that in six months' time we'll be much further advanced than where we sit right at this point in time. So. Yeah, absolutely. I guess the other big thing that came out in the news this week was the um, USDA report. A um, couple of things that probably came out larger than expected stocks um, on the back of some better weather in the Black Sea, Australia here, and Canada and Argentina. Can you give us some insights into the report um, and what you, you pulled out of it? Uh, well, the overall report, I guess, in jargon terms, was deemed to be bearish and a couple of reasons for that. One is, uh, well, there was mixed reports from a global wheat production point of view. Um, uh, clearly, there's uh, expectations and we all think that will happen here in Australia, that we'll get a, a solid rebound in our wheat production. I think the USDA said uh, we're forecasting Australia's wheat crop at 24 million tonnes, which is about 9 million tonnes up year on year. And there's also a belief that Canada and Argentina will have slightly bigger wheat crops year on year. So they're three of the major exporters. And if they all have additional wheat, but an additional wheat crop, more, more wheat produced this year, then you know, clearly that means that has to find export homes for that wheat. Uh, the US was not not too many changes in the US, and the bigger changes were in Russia and Europe, which were down year on year, but still very large crops, uh, everything else being considered. And we have to remember that in Europe, uh, they had a record crop last year, so it's no real surprise that 
Uh, that's uh, dropped back a little bit year on year. There were concerns around weather there a couple of weeks ago that you know, maybe it was too dry in Europe and parts of Russia, but they've since had pretty good rainfall. So those crops have stabilised and you know, what we all have to bear in mind that year on year, this is the, the, heart, uh, the heart of the growing period through North America and through Europe and Russia. So you know, a lot can change over the next few months. Um, as I said a moment ago, the crops seem to be back on track, but we really haven't got into the, the, the middle of the growing period yet. So, you know, if we get hot, dry weather over the next few months, then that could change. But right at the moment, no one's sort of projecting that that might occur. So year on year, it looks as though even though um, production will be mixed in some countries, um, you know, the market's taking the view that there'll be plenty of wheat. From a demand point of view, that, that's really the, the biggest issue from a wheat point of view. The, the whole COVID-19 outbreak around the world has slowed expectations for global demand. So a lot of countries probably aren't going to buy the same volumes of wheat that they have over recent years. And so going back to your opening observation, that's one of the reasons why they think global stocks will increase. And if global wheat stocks are increasing, then clearly that's not a... Um, an outcome that's going to lead to higher prices. The, the other big influence and the, perhaps a bigger influence on what might happen to the wheat market over the next six or 12 months is what's happening with uh, global feed grain stocks and particularly US and global corn production. Uh, global corn production was projected to increase 70 million tonnes year on year and 60 million tonnes of that is in the US. So, yeah. and as we know, a lot of US corn goes into ethanol production ethanol production has fallen off a cliff since COVID-19 because aeroplanes aren't flying and US people aren't driving cars and US manufacturing has slowed right down. So yep. uh, the concern there is that corn's going to be a drag on all grain markets, particularly wheat. And the other interesting thing is that you know markets um, like South Korea and others that in recent years have been buying wheat for stock feed, maybe they won't do that going forward uh, because corn is so much cheaper than wheat. And even even you know, going back to the question on barley, that's a consideration in markets like Saudi Arabia where if corn's a lot cheaper than barley, then maybe markets like Saudi increase uh, their consumption of corn and, and leave some barley out. So, yep. so yeah, short term, um, yeah, the market looks as though it's got more than enough grain, whether it's wheat or corn, and that's probably going to curtail any significant improvement in prices unless we see some um, changes in weather outcomes as we move through the June-July period through North America and Europe. So. Yeah, that's right. The next USDA report's usually the big one, isn't it? Uh, yes, well, we as each day goes by, we get much better... Uh, clarity on how crops are going and and what's happening in different parts of the world. So yeah. So I guess that probably leads us probably to our last question. I think Andrew, and then we'll just take some comments from you if you like. Um, so domestically, obviously we're all sitting here over on the eastern seaboard. So our account managers have got a fairly good feel for what's happening over here, and it all looks very positive and sentiments are high apart from the prices. But um, have we had any reports come through from how the cropping conditions are in Western Australia and South Australia? 
look, I think uh, South Australia certainly had pretty good rainfall uh, um, through April and everything's dried off a little bit in May and even in the last couple of weeks they've had some rain through parts of Western Australia. So that's not to say that you know, they wouldn't welcome more rain, but I think, you know, every everything else being considered, the Australian uh, crop prospects have started off much better this year across the country than uh, that compared to recent years. So, you know, compared to the last few years, maybe, you know, Queensland, New South Wales and Victoria perhaps are a step ahead of, you know, where farmers are in South Australia and Western Australia, but it's still early days, really. We're only in the middle of May. And interestingly, the Bureau's just come out today with their updated forecast for the next three months. And they're certainly still, in fact, um, today, they might, might be suggesting we're going to get even better rainfall outcomes over the next three months. So uh, we'll have to wait and see whether they deliver on the forecast. But yeah, if you go back 12 months when they were suggesting we'd have below average rainfall from many parts of the country that proved that was proven to be correct so you know they've been pretty good at uh, their forecasting so if the forecast that they put out today comes to uh, comes true then you know that'll be a very positive outcome and everything else being equal you know we should have a pretty good crop uh, and a, a much improved production outcome across the country this year and then it'll invariably come back to what does it mean from a pricing point of view as uh, farmers get closer to harvest time later this year. So. Absolutely. Making money in the mud. Bulk tonnes. Let's get uh, well, into it. It's easy to make money when there's rain than if there's no rain. That's for sure. That's for sure. Do you have any final comments that you'd like to um, share with us, Andrew? Uh, not really, but I just think it's an, it's an interesting, you know, with everything that's happened, uh, often in this uh, grain uh, marketing environment, there's often, it's not the, the, the production and the things that are visible to us, like weather and, mm. um, and those sorts of things that, you know, we have to be mindful of. Uh, every now and then something comes from left field, and clearly that's happened this week with uh, the announcement by the Chinese with the Tifali tariff and unfortunately in, in this environment they're, they're the sort of unknowns that we just, you know, no one can know that they're coming so they're unfortunate uh, it's not the first time it's happened and it won't be the last time but I guess they're the sort of things that happen that test us and challenge us more than Mother, Na Mother Nature does sometimes, certainly from a pricing perspective. So. Absolutely. I think we could um, nearly sum up 2020 as left field at this point. So um, <laughs> thanks, Andrew, for your time again today. And uh, again, um, your inside information is always a, a value to us. So thank you. Thank you, McCarley.